1: Go to Bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for
2: 20% off your first purchase. That's Bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. On DAB+, online, via the TalkSport app, and on your smart speaker.
3: The Women's Football Show with Baker
1: others. It's a really, really good finish. I love goals like that on TalkSport too. Hello, you lovely lot. This is Talk Sports Women's Football Show podcast. I'm Faker Others, bringing you loads of exclusive content. We'll be here every week with the very best of the show. If you don't just want highlights, don't forget you can listen back to the full women's football show via the Talk Sport app. This week we were on on Monday at 11 pm, so swipe for Talk Sport 2, find Monday, and you can listen in full then. Now it was the final weekend of WSL action before the winter break, and there were some cracking games as well. Spurs made history by beating Arsenal for the first time time ever in a tasty North London derby on Saturday afternoon while Chelsea extended their lead at the top of the table with a convincing win over Bristol City and Liverpool have crept up to fifth after beating Manchester United. Women's football writer for the Times Molly Hudson joined me to break down all the action. Listen, let's start at Spurs, shall we? Because one of the shocks of the weekend at the Tottenham Hot Spurs Stadium saw Spurs pick up their first ever win over North London rivals Arsenal. Jonas Eidevel's side went into the game hoping to go top of the WSL table, but a 58th-minute goal by Martha Thomas proved decisive for Spurs in the end, meaning the Gunners dropped to third. Meanwhile, Spurs' first win in six league games mean they keep their sixth spot in the table. Molly, you were there, weren't you? I mean, what a moment for Spurs to get their first ever North London derby win. At the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as well, and twenty thousand people there.
3: It was fantastic. It was a really good atmosphere. Um, they'd sort of filled the, the lower bowl of, of that stadium, which uh, Robert Villaham had actually said that the first time he managed in it in a friendly in pre season, he said it looked a bit like a spaceship, <laughs> um, which is true. It does a bit. Um, but look, it was a it was a fantastic afternoon for Tottenham. Obviously, they're not the finished product yet. They're still trying to get find their feet really under under Villaham. obviously what he's brought in is a completely different philosophy to what they had last season when for much of it they were fighting relegation so they look there were there were hard times there were a lot of Arsenal shots in there. I think it was something like 31 in the end um, but Tottenham's goal was just fantastic it was It was the exact epitome of what he wants to try and do at the football club. And I think they've had a difficult period. They'd they'd shipped 11 goals in the last two league games against Manchester City and Manchester United. And he'd sort of taken responsibility for for that. Sort of said, look, it's, it's going to be teething problems of what I'm asking them to do here. And I think this really... It showed what he is trying to do
1: and that it can work. Yeah, it was a gorgeous goal, wasn't it? Beautiful build-up play from the back. Celine Bizet playing it into Thomas, who put the ball into the bottom corner. Uh, Let's hear the thoughts of the Tottenham boss, Robert Willeham.
4: We want to be playing through lines. We want to have speed and we want to score in those ways. So that's basically how a Tottenham Hotspur team should score a goal. And that was really brilliant for me to not change anything, not go down and play five back or try to switch too many players to actually try and just keep going and make sure we help each other. I think that's one of the things I'm very happy about today, because they, they take those box defenders, they take the set pieces and just defend very well. And when we get the ball, we don't just uh, kick it away, we try to keep it. And that's also really good to breathe a little bit. And then we actually find a really good counter-attack as well. We could actually score another goal as well. So, so for me, seeing that, showing that these players are growing as, as people as well, and, and they are brave footballers, and, and I love to work with brave footballers.
1: Yeah, and we love to watch brave footballers, don't we? It it, it always proves to be an entertaining uh, game and it feels as if Robert Villaham is putting together a real blueprint or there's actually a blueprint at the whole club at Spurs at the moment.
3: Uh, It was really interesting um, speaking to him at the start of the season, actually, and he was talking about how um, Daniel Levy had had hired him basically because he was the most like um, Ange Postacoglu's style of play um, and and Ange and, and Daniel were actually there at the at the Spurs Stadium mm. watching uh, the weekend, which was nice. I think it's it's also the fact that we sort of forget because they had such a good start to the season. But Beth England is is only just back, so I think actually their their full potential hasn't really been re- uh, reached yet. Obviously, Beth England only played forty five minutes of this game as well, isn't quite fit yet from that hip surgery. So I think. You know the potential is all there for Tottenham, and I think it's 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 really positive. It's the sort of result you need when you're going through this transition period to show you, yes, look, if we stick with this, this is what we can do.
1: Because they were very close to it, weren't they? Uh, midweek as well, because. Um, they'd obviously met in the Conti Cup, Arsenal and, and and Tottenham. Arsenal won four three on penalties, but the score in ninety minutes had finished three all. Spurs were so close to to that victory, the first one. He actually said that was
3: like a little bit of a rerun, a practice run for them. Mm. He said he found that really helpful.
1: Yeah, which you can imagine it, it would be. Not so, however, for Arsenal manager Jonas Södervall. Let's hear his thoughts, shall we?
4: I think the most important aspects in performance is what you create offensively compared to what you allow the opposition to, to create. Um, and and Those things are strong in this game and the most likely outcome in a football match like this is that Arsenal will win the football match. I think that's the outcome in 90% of the games that you will play and that's the fact. Then what do you do with the other percentages of the outcome in, in this Game here, yeah. Of course, we need to improve the efficiency, both attacking and defending. But it can't take away from the performance in total. That most of the time, we're going to win this football match, um, and we need to keep doing those things that leads to that moment. Um, so it's a, it's an odd feeling sitting here with with that because of course very disappointed with the result, disappointed with our efficiency, but from a performance perspective. We played well enough to win the football match here today. And we should have won.
1: I get what Jonas Eideval is saying, Molly, but football isn't played on paper. And yes, you can look at all the stats that you want, but if your team don't have the clinical edge to go on and convert those chances, 31 that they had, as you mentioned earlier, Tottenham just had five and Arsenal just didn't quite make the most of their possession dominance. Although he can be happy with the performance, at the end of the day, didn't capitalise on that big win they had over Chelsea last week that they could have done.
3: That was what was so strange, I think, having been at both of those games. I mean, Arsenal were fantastic against Chelsea. They they played them off the park. Um And I think Alessia Russo as well had a really good game against Chelsea and she needed that because, you know, I think we, we talk a lot about Alessia Russo because she's she's been marketed as this out-and-out striker, but Actually, she's more comfortable in deeper areas. Mm. And I think Arsenal still haven't quite figured out the balance of that in their attack. I mean, quite often um, on Saturday, Alessia was was dropping deep to to build the attack, but then you miss that sort of focal point. And obviously, Vivian Miedema is not quite fit yet still um, from, from her ACL injury. So I think the balance isn't quite right in attack. They've got so many talented forwards. I mean, at the end of that game, I think I counted they had six forwards on the pitch. Mm. But actually, that just turned it into chaos, really, because they weren't building structured attacks. They were just effectively panicking towards the end.
1: You mentioned Vivian Meadabar there. Um, her and Beth Mead have released a documentary about their ACL recoveries. And you've seen it, Mol, Give us a test of whether we should all watch. I mean, obviously, we're going to watch it, aren't we? We don't need an endorsement, but give us an endorsement. Uh, yeah, it's called Step by
3: Step. Um, it's going to be—I think the first episode is out today, Monday, uh, on arsenal.com. Um But it's—it's it's just a really sort of intimate look at that nine months to a year, really, that we know they've had such difficult hardship. It's—it's—it's it's, it's a ridiculous turn of events, really. How—how how obviously Beth Mead did hers. Um, then Mead and Marte did hers so close. Obviously, Beth Mum Mead's mum also died during that period um and it, it essentially there's some mobile phone footage um there's a there's a scene where mead is facetiming me Demar in hospital there's a scene um where mead is is washing me feet she says these smell like they've died because uh, <laughs> nice because um obviously Demar couldn't get in the shower with her um dressings uh from from her surgery so there's some really nice intimate moments in there and i think it's, it's pretty honest and it's that cliche of at times you'll laugh, at times you'll cry. Yeah. I think that's really what this this documentary is.
1: And you sat down with both of them last week for an article for The Times, didn't you? How did they both come across?
3: They're both obviously absolutely delighted to be back on the pitch. Um, I think probably the most revealing thing from the documentary is, is how much stress played a part in their injury or how much they believe it played a part. Um, Beth Mead, the the week she did hers, it was the same week, if you remember, she withdrew from England camp because her mum had taken a turn for the worse. She'd been up north the entire week, came back, played in that game, did her ACL. Then, the week before, um, well, the day before, in fact, Mead did hers, they found out that Mead's mum had only weeks to live and she really wasn't sure whether she was going to play in the game. She even said to Jonas Eidevald, I'm not sure I can play. Mm. And he said, look, we'll leave it up to you. She had a good warm-up. She decided to play. And then she got the injury. <sighs> so both of them believed that stress, which I thought was really interesting, and mm. one of the many factors... Go into an ACL that, that we maybe don't always consider.
1: Right, so Bristol City nil Chelsea three. After Arsenal failed to capitalise on taking all three points against title rivals Chelsea last weekend, Emma Hayes side regained their three point advantage at the top of the WSL table, putting three past Bristol City. Lauren James, Erin Cuthbert, and Sam Kerr on the score sheet. A day only tarnished, really, by Neve Charles' sending off for a second yellow card in the 96th minute. Uh, let's hear the thoughts of Bristol City manager Lauren. Smith, at full time, she spoke to talk sports Lawrence Mora.:
2: Three now, but a performance from your players, I think they gave absolutely everything this afternoon. Yeah, um, I knew that they'd do that. they've done that throughout the whole season. Um, I think we've come back off uh, a 3 game week you know with Conti Cup, looking fresh, which is a, a, nice, a nice way to come into the weekend when that has been a problem up until now. They've given everything, uh, we've managed to get out of our block, which I'm really happy with. We've, we've pressed and caused Chelsea problems and we've, you know, the keepers had to make some good saves to keep us out. So, you know, can't be disappointed with those things.
4: It almost feels like the ruthlessness that they had in front of goal, if you could have matched that, yeah. uh,
2: then it would have been a different story this afternoon. Yeah, so it sounds like a lot of shooting practice after Christmas, doesn't it? <laughs> um, but yeah, absolutely. If we can just have those moments... One goes in, it swings the game a little bit, you know. I think even the chances swung the game. We, we went after them and went after them again. So, you know, that goes in and, you know, it could either fire them up
1: or it can fire us up. So back to winning ways uh, for Chelsea, Molly. Uh, they needed that as well, didn't they, really? They did. They've had a, a couple of difficult games.
3: I think there's been a lot of times this season, again, as there always is with Chelsea, where sometimes they've got the results without performing amazingly I think it caught up with them a little bit in in the past sort of seven days so I think this was a really big win look it was a routine win it's against Bristol City you should be winning but again to see Lauren James after what she's been through in the last week, Sam Kerr, getting on the score sheet is really important collectively and for those individuals.
1: Yeah, a good debut for Hannah Hampton for Chelsea in goal as well. She wasn't massively busy but she did step up when she was needed to.
3: I have to say I saw, a, I saw a clip of her 1v1 save and it was outstanding and I think look, she's been chomping at the bit really waiting to get her chance and you know it's going to be difficult when you go to a club like Chelsea and look, I think she did all she could really in that game. She got a clean sheet and and made a massive save.
1: And Lauren uh, Lauren Smith can take some positives, can't she, from the fact that Hannah Hampton was tested at, at times and her side were in the game.
3: Exactly. And I think, look, when you're a team like Bristol City, you know your season isn't going to be defined by games against Chelsea, realistically. So I think they have to kind of put that behind them. It's almost like a free hit when you play that kind of team and and look ahead to the the rest of the season now.
1: Yeah. Uh, Talking of the rest of the season, Manchester City move into second place behind Chelsea, still three points behind them, mind you. Bunny Shaw took the lead in the race for the WSL top scorer as her hat trick helped Manchester City to a 4-1 victory over Everton. Shaw had an eighth minute penalty saved by Courtney Brosnan but found the back of the net less than a minute later lobbing over the keeper getting her first she made it two in the 22nd minute before Jill Roard added a third before half time. Everton did come back fighting in the second half, rewarded when Aurora Galley's exceptional 56 minute shot found the net but Shaw put the game to bed heading in Alex Greenwood's free kick after 65 minutes and Molly when City perform like they did in the first half especially they look unbeatable don't they?
3: They do. I I said at the very start of the season, I I thought they, they could win the title. And I think they've, you know, arguably at times played the best football we've seen in the league so far this season. But it's just... Just those big games, they seem to struggle to get it over the line. So I think, look, games like this, they've got to be consistent and then they've just got to kind of focus on those big shootouts that you know are going to come against the likes of Chelsea and Arsenal in the second half of the season.
1: Yeah, it was a different Everton side after the break, though. They're seventh in the table heading into Christmas. How are they going to reflect on their season so far?
3: I was a bit worried for them at times this season because they were struggling for points, but they've they've got enough now. They're sort of out of that relegation battle a little bit and they've had a absolutely rotten luck with injuries. I think it's it's a little bit concerning that Brian Sorensen didn't seem overly optimistic of January signings and how big the budget might be, which obviously is, is difficult with what the men's side are going through at the moment as well, but I think they'll they'll be reasonably happy going into this winter break, sort of in that mid-table region.
1: Yeah, they can see that as a successful season, I suppose, bearing in mind all the circumstances. At Liverpool, on the other side of Merseyside, are having a cracking season, moved level on points with Manchester United after a come-from-behind win at Lee Sports Village. Ella had given United the lead after just three minutes, putting in the rebound after Leah Galton had hit the post. But Liverpool levelled things up before half-time. Millie Turner putting the ball into her own net after Mel Lawley's cross. And then it was another corner that eventually proved United's downfall with Taylor Hines somehow getting the ball into the net with the inside of her knee. I mean, it's a big achievement for Liverpool and Matt Beard, I would say. I think, you know, they've probably been the surprise package of the WSL so far this season. How impressed were you with their resilience in this match?
3: They've been fantastic. Obviously, I was at the opener against Arsenal and they were were brilliant in that game. I think in this one, almost all of United's chances came early and it really was that cliche of once they weathered the storm, they got a foothold into the game and then they got the goal and they grew in confidence because, look, this is a team that have shown they can take points off of the big clubs. They did it last season with Chelsea. They've done it this season with Arsenal and I think that gives them confidence now.
1: Yeah, interesting comments from Mark Skinner, refusing to blame fatigue for Manchester United's uh, loss. He wasn't particularly happy with the performance, I think it's fair to say. And they've lost yet more ground in the title race after dropping points in half their games this season. Is it too soon to say their title hopes are are over? Uh, I think
3: it's going to be really difficult for them. I think the top three are all pretty close because, you know, you've got those big shootouts come come. the rest of the season but i think for united uh, i think mark skinner said it actually you you've basically got to be faultless now it's a little bit similar to manchester city last season who we saw they did go a really long period unbeaten and ultimately fell short i think now the focus has to be champions league because i mean that's a difficult race in itself
1: mm, yeah it's, it's been a funny season for united how do you kind of sum it up all all, all together
3: Nearly, nearly moments. Um, obviously, they're nearly qualified for the Champions League. Um, there's, yeah, they've been a bit inconsistent. I think, and it was quite worrying. I think Mark Skinner said said after this one that he felt they sort of got out fought. They didn't want it enough. And I mean, why? You know, you ha- you have to look at why that is. Mm-hmm. You're a, you're a team that know the title race is, is so difficult. You see, you do have to be almost perfect, as he said. And they've just like. Losing points in half of your games, if, if you're going to win the title, that's
1: not good enough. No, it's not. And it feels as if there's been so many nearly sides. Everyone's taking points off each other this season, which makes it, you know, for the neutral, a fascinating season to watch. But, you know, if you're... Matt Beard for example when they've dropped points in games that you would expect them to win bearing in mind the games that they have won against the bigger teams you know there's there's that element of come on why can you only do it against the big teams and not not against the lower teams not in this uh, circumstance of course uh, well done to Matt Beard's side uh, West Ham salvaged a point against Leicester lifting themselves off the bottom of the table albeit just on goal difference Lena Peterman gave Leicester the lead in the 68th minute completely against the run of play it did look like all hope was lost for West Ham when Hawa Sissoko was sent off in the 95th minute but then Anaka Hayashi secured a point for Rianne Skinner's side right at the death I mean remarkable from West Ham's point of view in the dying moments but as for the rest of the game they probably should have won it
3: I think they were desperate for a good performance and that's what this was it will be very dramatic at the end and nearly didn't quite happen I think I was quite worried for West Ham they've they were they were poor last season. Let's be honest, There were just worse teams than them. Um, Rayan Skinner seemed to have made a good impression at the start of this season, but again, they've struggled. Um, West Ham have only got eight goals in ten matches, and when you've got a stat like that, you know you're going to be struggling down there. So I think, look, getting yeah, uh, added time goal, ten players, you, that's exactly what you need to show the fight that you know they're then they're, they're in this relegation battle but
1: they're going to try and get out of it. And they're going to need to show that fight in order to get out of it as well, because Bristol City, albeit uh, in the bottom place as we go into the Christmas break, they actually have put in some decent performances. Um, Willie Kirk has vowed that we will see a better Leicester in the new year. They've been brilliant at the start of the season. What what needs to change for them?
3: I think it was interesting that, that Willie Kirk said after this one that he almost felt as though... The expectation was getting to them a little bit because most people would have had Leicester right in the relegation battle. Some people even said that they're the favourites to be relegated at the start of this season. They had those early positive results and now, exactly as you said about Liverpool, I think it's about finding that consistency now. I mean, we even saw it in the Arsenal game. Okay? The consistency from one half to the other wasn't there. Mm. Um So I think that's what they'll really try and do. He talks about wanting a reset now in this winter break and... And, you know, look, when you're in the relegation battle, you've got that jeopardy all the time, haven't you? When you're in the midfield, it's it's not quite like
1: that. No, it isn't. Um, although Aston Villa, it feels, are, are trying to push their way back into that mid-table in order to take the jeopardy away from themselves. And they beat Brighton by a goal to nil to overtake their opponents and move ninth in the table thanks to a solitary goal from Adriana Leon. Uh, Villa also suffered a late snag, though. Maz Pacheco sent off in the 89th minute. Uh, Brighton, though, could not find the equaliser and i mean villa are going to be more relieved than anything after that win such high hopes last season we say it every week don't we but how will they now reflect on the fact they're effectively still trying to escape a relegation battle but have made it a little bit more comfortable for themselves
3: yeah i think you know how many times have we said over the years that three points in this division when you've only got 12 teams is absolutely massive and i think that win it does just give them like a little bit of breathing space i i know they didn't play their best football but i did feel a little bit sorry for villa and carl Ward at the start of the season they played some really good teams early on um and i think where they actually finished will be a lot more reflective of that rather than that sort of period where they, they couldn't sort of buy a win at the start of the season um so i think now this will help them to to elevate themselves a little bit and i think look it probably is between West Ham and and Bristol. I would say that are going to probably be down there come the
1: end of the season. Mm, three red, three red cards in the WSL this weekend, uh, which I find, find quite always find quite interesting. Obviously, some two double yellow cards uh, there as well. But actually, is it a bit of a reflection on the scrutiny that we're seeing with the referees at the moment, maybe, and the fact that they are being a lot less lenient in terms of little niggly fouls adding up.
3: I think it's the niggly fouls and I think it's dissent that's proved a big one across both the men's and women's games. Um, You've seen that quite a lot. Players picking up cards. um, I think, you know, we often laugh that you almost could buy a red card to the women's team. Could you? You barely ever saw a player get sent off. Um, Clearly, there's been a quite big shift this season and I think that's a good thing Mm. as long as it's not a sort of Alex Greenwood-esque red card as we had (laughs) earlier in the season. We don't need any more of them.
5: you have an airbnb your home might be worth more than you think find out how much at airbnb.com host
1: now with it being the halfway point in the season we thought it was only right to get molly's thoughts on what's been an extremely exciting wsl season so far and how she predicts the rest of the season to pan out so, who has impressed you the most? Which team has been the most impressive this season for you?
3: I have to say, of the top teams, the teams that you expect to be up there fighting for the title, none of them have really impressed me. Wow. And I say that because I think each of the four, and let's let's use the big four for now as the measure of where we're at, all have pretty clear deficiencies that they've already shown this season and perhaps part of that is the fact that everybody else in the league is improving. We've talked about the midfield and um, we'll get on to in a minute teams that I've been surprised by, but in terms of being impressed by, I think Chelsea have been a little bit blunt in attack and their defences look leaky again. Arsenal have struggled to score despite signing a lot of players that should help them score. And I think, obviously, getting players back fully fit will help them to do so. Um, Manchester City have probably impressed me the most, but only in parts. I think, again, they've struggled at times to get over the line in games, which again is ridiculous when you have somebody like Bunny Shaw, who is the top scorer. But still, they just need a little bit more in those big games. And Manchester United, as we said earlier, you know, dropping points in half your games is is very hard to be seen as a title contender when you're doing that.
1: Yeah, it really is. I think that's a fair assessment, to be honest. Um, You mentioned signings there. Who's been your signing of the season so far?
3: I have to say Martha Thomas, because, look, we watched Martha Thomas for Manchester United And she wasn't utilised maybe in the best way. She didn't have the most minutes. We know certain strikers, they need a run of games. They need to feel confident and, you know, the person that the team relies on. Beth England's injury obviously meant that Martha Thomas was thrown into that very quickly after arriving. She's been fantastic. Even, Even on Saturday against Arsenal, you could see the start of that partnership with Beth England. It's going to take a little while for the you know, if if Robert Villaham sees those two as a pair that he both wants to start rather than either or. But I think the fact that it would have been Beth England at the start of the season and Martha Thomas would have maybe been on the bench shows you just how good she has been, that she is now almost undroppable, even though Beth England, your captain, is back.
1: Yeah. I think that's a a perfect choice, to be honest. Who's been your breakout star? Maybe someone more new in their career, if you like, than an established WSL player like Martha Thomas.
3: I have to say Aggie Beaver-Jones for Chelsea. I think she's one of those players that's that's taken a little while to break through. I know there's always a clamor of excitement when you have a, a young English player. You want them immediately thrown in, get the games. But actually, a team like Chelsea you need to reach a certain level before you can do that because the the attacking options are so stacked. And look, she's been fantastic. She scored five goals. Um she's I think she has the highest goals per 90 quite considerably of any player because she's quite often been to substitute. Goals per 90 is 2.69. Wow. Which is insane. Um so I think she's been fantastic. Uh, I know there's people that still want more from her they want to see us start more games but i think actually her form this season has has proven Chelsea's strategy right mm. to to do it slowly to get her integrated slowly and you're really seeing the the benefits of that. And I know she's, she's been really impressive for, for the England youth setup as well. So I think she's really one to watch for the end of this season and
1: next season too. Mm, I would put Tottenham's Grace Clinton up there as well. Two goals and an assist so far. First England call up to the senior squad as well. I think she's been really impressive. And, and maybe somebody who's, you know, we talked about the influence that Robert Villaham has had on, on Tottenham this season. Maybe somebody who's really thriving under that leadership, perhaps. Uh, OK, your goal of the season so far. I mean, there have been some absolute crackers, haven't there?
3: There is. And I will say I voted uh, for the December goal of the season for, for Rachel Daly's brilliant volley in added time against West Ham that got the winner in that game, which I thought was a fantastic... Like, the technique, I always think it's so important. The timing of these goals, that was a really important goal for Aston Villa in that moment. Mm. But I have to say, the Tottenham... <laughs> the, I'm saying the Tottenham goal at the weekend and admittedly, the Arsenal pressing wasn't great, but I'm giving it to Tottenham because I was sat in the press box and the defender received the ball from Barbara Vitakova, the goalkeeper, facing her own goal and I just went, put your foot through it, get rid of it. <laughs> in in the typical English football fan that doesn't enjoy you know passing it out, I'm always a little bit worried about how it's going to go. Six passes later, ball's in the back of the net Massive goal, vindication of what Robert Villaham's trying to do and prove me wrong while they were at it. So I've got to give that as my goal of the season so far.
1: Love it. Love it. I think that's uh, well-deserved for sure. What about your favourite moment? I mean, we're, we're 10 games in, so what, what would you say was your favourite moment? I think there's
3: been some fantastic moments for the league as a whole in terms of some of the attendances we've seen, fantastic atmospheres. But for me, it, it was a moment involving Brooke Aspin, who, who was on loan from Chelsea to Bristol City. She scored the winner for Bristol City over West Ham and that was Bristol City's only win this season. So obviously just for the club itself was a, a fantastic moment. But for her, she's got an extraordinary story. Um, last season, they initially thought it was just a muscle pull in her groin. She ended up uh, with a bone infection, a blood clot. And worst of all sepsis which is obviously a a life-threatening illness uh the world health organization estimates 42 percent of people who are admitted to intensive care and aspen was she was there for a week with sepsis will die wow and she's come back is fit is firing is a real star for Bristol City obviously someone that Chelsea rate hugely highly to to sign her and loan her back to Bristol so I think for her personally that was such a lovely moment and obviously it was a huge a huge one for the team
1: yeah massive Uh, who's the team that have surprised you the the most I know you said no one's impressed you uh, but who's surprised you perhaps i think
3: it's liverpool and leicester It's between them two i think maybe it's actually liverpool in terms of the big results they've pulled off against the big teams i think leicester have probably been if there if there was a most improved category leicester would be winning that um, just off based off of where they were last season i think those two teams uh, have really surprised me just the the jump that they've made in the recruitment has been really smart at both of those clubs some fantastic recruitment you've got you know Gemma bonner maria hobinger have both been fantastic for liverpool um leicester have also been brilliant we we talked on the show a lot about janina Leitzig, who was an example of that fantastic Mm. recruitment led up by willie kirk so i think both both of those have been really impressive
1: and and, i mean obviously the top four have disappointed you but who else has disappointed you this season i think
3: this was a difficult one because i think brighton are fundamentally a good team but i think that's why they've disappointed me because they are maybe not quite as high up as we thought they might have been and i think for them it's all about consistency i think there's some fantastic signings they made obviously they've got a fantastic young manager and i think it's maybe
1: towards the second half of the season we'll really see where they are okay final one player of the season so far
3: as I've mentioned, there's been a few Liverpool players that are maybe in contention with this, but I've gone for Neve Charles because in Chelsea's defence, I think she's been the best player, particularly without Millie Bright. Um, just to see her development really personally, from from a player that was started a career as a winger, moved to a fullback, and for quite a long time it it didn't seem quite certain whether that was the right move for her, because she can never really nail down that left back position. And she was always a bit better going forward than she was defensively. And this has been her real sort of breakout six months. Um, Including with
1: the Lionesses. Exactly.
3: Mm. She's really nailed down that position. And the basis of that, I think, is, is what she's done at Chelsea.
1: Right. These three are quick fire because a few predictions based on what you've seen so far. And I will test you at the end of the season. WSL winners? Chelsea. Golden Boot winner? Bunny Shaw. Relegated? Bristol City. Ooh, okay. We'll see. We'll see how you get on, shall we? Tottenham are certainly enjoying life at the moment and we were treated to some inside info as Spurs midfielder Kit Graham sat down with Talk Sports' Maya Graham – they're not sisters, by the way, I promise uh, – just to get some intel on her fellow teammates. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to put
0: you on the spot. Oh, gosh. I want to do a little teammates feature. Okay. Um... All you have to do is say the first name that comes to your head. Okay. You can dig people out if you want. You can, you <laughs> That's know, my throw people to under do. the bus. Yeah. <laughs> whatever you want. So, I'll start out nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's the best trainer? The best trainer? I would say at the minute the
5: goalkeepers are on fire. So, yeah. shout out to Becky, shout out to Eleanor, like Ambara. They've they've obviously All been on fire recently, so I've got to shout them out. Okay, fair enough. Three, three people. You're not allowed to do that. Goalkeeper union.
0: (laughs) They come as one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay. Another one on the pitch. Most skillful. Skillful.
5: Do you know what? I'm going to go Grace Clinton. Her feet are just, they're so quick. She gets out of situations that you just, you're just you just like, how did you get out of that situation? And I think sometimes she says the same thing.
0: You know, like, <laughs> why isn't the defender tackling her there? But yeah, she's very tricky on the ball. Yeah, she's a joy to watch. Yeah. Um, okay, off the pitch, best dress sense. <laughs> There are some questionable. <laughs> well, we'll get to worst in a minute. Okay, I'll <laughs> save the good ones for that.
5: Best dress sense, I'm gonna go. The Scandi girls dress well. Yeah. Olga, Evelina, nice, nice clean. clean, sharp, yep. yeah. I feel that. Um, they're a bit too colourful for me in terms of like, when I say colourful, my wardrobe is black. So colourful, they're wearing whites and beiges. Yeah. That's, that's not my style, but they always look fresh.
0: Okay, all right, uh, and worst? Easy, Rosella.
5: honestly she comes in some clobber
0: talk talk me through it talk me through a fit that she'll come in in.
5: yeah so one day I actually put her on my Instagram um, because she looked like Justin Bieber had thrown up on her (laughs) you know we had baggy shorts high socks the colors were just a madness Um, I think she actually probably would say me just for the banter But (laughs) yeah sometimes she comes in and I'm not not feeling it at all no all right okay but I'll call her out on it she needs to know surely
0: you've got to give us some tips though
5: yeah, I just say don't wear that again. <laughs>
0: She's still wearing it. Simple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Best music taste. Who's the DJ in the dressing room? Molly. Okay. She's got a good playlist. Yeah. Uh, in the gym,
5: I think normally it's Beth. Okay. Um, Celine also likes to DJ nice. a little bit. So everyone's got their own different vibes. And what kind of music are they are they putting in the playlist? So. In the gym, normally in pre-act, Beth's got the old school bangers on. You know, everyone's having a sing song. Yeah. Uh, Celine sometimes comes with like the foreign music that no one knows the words. But it's a vibe. But It's a vibe. Exactly. That's what you need sometimes. (laughs) And then Molly is just game day vibes, a mix of everything. I think she hits shuffle, so yeah. Okay, back to the pitch.
0: Who's the fastest?
5: We've got some fast girls in our team. Yeah, Uh, I think in a
0: sprint race. Who's who's I think I'm back in Jess.
5: Yeah. But Roz and Ellie are up there. Celine's quite quick, but I think Jess, Roz, Ellie, and then Celine.
0: Okay, this is an interesting one. The smartest player in terms of football IQ mm-hmm. and then book smart.
5: Okay. Smart, I'm going to go Becky Spencer. She always seems to be one step ahead. You know, when you're closing her down in mm-hmm. training and she cruisht turns you and she's out of a situation and you're just like... You knew that I was gonna press you from that side, and you got out, and I now look silly. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, and book smart. Mm. I think Eleanor Heaps. Okay,
0: it's a goalkeeper theme. Yeah, but I think you like you're liking the goalkeepers today. Maybe Speaking
5: I need about. to be in the
0: union. <laughs> yeah, see, so she'll let you in. Yeah, <laughs> but I think she's quite smart. Yeah.
1: That's your lot for today and, of course, until January. Thank you so much for listening in 2023. We'll be back after a well-deserved winter break for the players and for us as well. Merry Christmas, everyone.